Hello and welcome to another episode of the Life of Capoeira. Very uh, pleased to welcome our guest today, Professora Azul from Ronin Capoeira, and you might also know her from Only the Strongest podcast. Welcome to the show. Yeah, hi. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. So let's start at the beginning. I believe you started Capoeira in 2003. What was it that got you started on your journey in Capoeira? Yeah, I uh, I saw it in high school and a friend of mine uh, would always try to do Capoeira since they did a performance at our high school. I thought it was stupid. I thought martial arts was stupid, but I made jokes with them. Then I went to college and saw a club for it and thought, oh, this will be so funny to show my friend again. He'll have, you know, he'll have a good laugh. I went to the class and they had conga drums and I was, I was a music major and a percussionist. So immediately I was like, wait a minute. And then some people were doing flips and I used to do gymnastics when I was really small until I was about eight years old. So only took one class. I completely ate my words and was totally hooked, you know, fell in love with Capwood ever since. So that was my freshman year of college when I started. And it didn't take you long before you started teaching. I think you started in 2007. Yeah. Did you always set out to become a Capoeira teacher or did you just kind of fall into it? No, like almost everybody I know in Capoeira, I fell into it. My current teachers that I was training with were moving and they asked me to take over the studio, which I was really surprised and shocked. But I was like, yeah, of course. I think they did it because at the time I was dating a Capoeirista that was higher ranked than I was and they wanted him to teach and they thought I'd make a good kids class instructor and so that, you know, that's why I fell into it. They just kind of picked a, oh, here's a good set of two people. A lot of times studios are run by two, right? Or a couple of some sort. And yeah, I loved Capoeira. So I was all for it and kind of started there. And then I started seriously teaching adults probably in 2010, I would say. I mostly taught kids for the first few years as I got better. And then when I got closer to becoming a graduate, I started teaching more regularly for adults as well. What is it like running a studio? Because a lot of our audience here are from the UK and Aussie Capoeira is very different in different countries in terms of how it operates and, and largely from the UK, they don't tend to be sort of Capoeira studios as such. So when I run a group, for example, I'd rent out a village hall or a church hall or something and, and do the classes in that. How do you find it running a Capoeira studio and also with running Capoeira now? Yeah, it it is difficult. We have the same issue here where you you don't really have the student base because Capoeira is such a niche martial art. So few people have heard of it. Even after 20 years, the same amount of people have not heard of Capoeira that I talked to. I thought it would have gained some traction, but it didn't. Uh, so we would have to either sublease from someone else. I'd always be looking first to, you know, my closest taekwondo studio or dance studio and say hey do you have these hours available in the evenings that you're not doing classes that's almost always been my setup my first school that I grew in Utah we actually ended up renting out our own garage space and were able to fill it just with our own capoeira classes and we were teaching maybe five days a week at that point Currently, I'm subleasing again from a jazzercise studio. So those ladies are morning ladies. And so the studio is empty at night. So that was perfect, you know, a compliment for Capoeira. But most people have a hard time, you know, finding their own space. And we're getting to a point where if we grow a little bit more, we're going to need to find our own space, accommodate class size. It's a good problem to have, but it is a problem because especially right now with the economy, Renting is very expensive, <laughs> so 
I'm sure you guys may struggle with the same. Yeah, it sounds sort of broadly similar, really. It, we don't have sort of, there's more sort of gyms about, and they often have sort of dance studios in or some sort of space where fitness classes can happen. But especially when it comes to not just capoeira, but martial arts in general, mm. it's any hall or have you really, as long as it's sort of big enough and, and adequately supplied. And there are the odd martial arts gyms dotted around as well for sort of specific classes like that. Mm. So your first group, you had a bit of a journey with them in terms of starting there, but obviously you left that group, which you've talked about on your podcast. Would you like to mm-hmm. tell our listeners about how you came to depart your your initial Capoeira group? Uh, yeah, I had a pretty rocky, um, I, I imagine most people have in Capoeira, and it's honestly, I think why a lot of people quit is group dynamics or politics get the better of them, you know, and they think that the martial art is not worth it at that point. I went through technically two groups. I was in an initial group and then that mestre was on the East Coast and we're out in Utah, um, but we had a contramestre in the group in Utah. Uh, So I would teach at my studio and then I would go and train with him on other nights. And then he decided to leave that group. And so I left with him because I was like proximity, you know, he's the one I'm training with. He's right here. He wants to start his own group. I'm going to stick with him and, and go with that. So technically I left and joined his group. A few years later, we, my school was really growing. And I think that might've had something to do with it. I still don't know quite to this day, but he asked me to leave the group that he had and he just was sticking to his own school. And maybe he just didn't want to, you know, father in a lot of schools. I'm not sure, but I just went like, I took the hint. (laughs) So I just started running my own school independently. And I, for a couple of years, this was kind of before people, this was 2014. So before it was really a thing about 10 years ago, people starting their own groups and leaving, it was kind of unheard of in the States for anybody to have a group without a mystery. And I looked around for a couple of years and I didn't want to go back to our original mestre and group. I feel I felt like we had outgrown that. But a lot of our old friends who we really valued were still in that group. So we decided to rejoin our initial group, if that'll make sense. I know, okay. I'm trying to like not use names. And so <laughs> it's a little bit hard here. Um, that group shortly after, a year after, received a call from prominent female capoeirista here in the U.S., who told me that that mestre had sexually assaulted her and and she had had these experiences with him and asked why he would join. And obviously I didn't know any of that. Ironically, I thought, oh, here's a mestre that seems like he's pretty trustworthy and, you know, I shouldn't have any problems. <laughs> so I chose to leave that group. And, and at that point, you know, I had, I mean, they both kind of were from the same mestre, same group, but it was enough for me to just say, you know what? no more. Like, I just don't need that kind of energy or, you know, mojo, anything happening with my studios. And I refuse to work with another mestre. That entire group imploded after that. We let some other teachers in the group know about the sexual assault allegations. People chose to leave that group. There's very few people in it at this point, five years later, that all happened in 2017. So very rocky. And a lot of people quit for these reasons. And that's valid. I love Capoeira and I've stuck with it. I feel like I had enough experience to continue. And I'm seeing that now more in the States where a lot of people are getting to graduate and up and saying, hey, you know, I'm just going to do my thing. And if I find a padrino, great. Otherwise, I'll kind of form a little coalition. I'll find some Capoeiristas I respect and appreciate and bring them out. 
I don't have to be part of their group. And that hierarchy is kind of dissolving a little bit more in the US. I don't know if that's similar in the UK. If you guys are finding any of these same themes in Capoeira there. I think from my personal perspective, it's harder to answer that one. Part of the motivation for starting this podcast was that when my children were born and then with lockdown, I got an issue with my hip. And so I started the Capoeira podcast here to kind of reconnect with the Capoeira community. As far as I'm aware, a lot of the old groups that I was more familiar with in the past are still going. Um, I think a, a few uh, Capoeiras have gone their own way in terms of setting up groups but I think it's it's really interesting listening to only the strongest and seeing the difference I think in how capoeira is in the states to how it is here in the UK mm. and obviously talk about the sexual assault there I'm not aware of that being an issue here but I am a very white male who could <laughs> may not have the problem <laughs> um, yeah if any of our listeners have experienced that in the UK then um I can understand this. It's, it's a difficult thing to talk about and to divulge. Um, but I would encourage you to try if you have a, a safe person with whom you can do that. Okay. Mm. It's been good to hear the discussions, the certain definitions of the word good, various podcasts and Reddit and so on about these these very serious allegations which need to be challenged because it's completely unacceptable. But as far as I know, mm. and I, I don't come back to regret these words, we haven't had those sort of issues here but that could just be my ignorance and naivety and I hope that it isn't well I mean it's and that is something that's sensitive and you know everybody kind of has to decide how they want to approach that I I like that we're swinging not being so this cancel culture freak out at every little thing now I think it's good to always find a middle ground and in, in most things so I think a lot of people are there but I think more than it's not just for sexual assault, but I think a lot of groups in the US are just kind of tired of that same like controlling and like kiss the feet of the mystery veneration, like old school feel that Cap would have had for a long time. Some people seek that out. Some people look for that in any martial art, right? Cap would have included. But more and more, I feel like are starting to question it. Like, you know, is this healthy? Is this right for, you know, and my group and how we want to train and I'm not I definitely realize that there can be some negatives to my decision in and not you know keeping a group in a mystery there there are a lot of positives and there are some negatives you know the concern of getting away from the roots of capoeira and the history and the culture and making sure that I'm continuing for me that's important some people may not just see capoeira as a sport and want to do you know teach it like any mcdojo and i I don't necessarily think that's bad either. I think any growth for Capwood is going to be good. But for me, it's important. So I do try to seek out, you know, advice and workshops from mestres that I appreciate and respect and that can come and teach our students awesome, you know, concepts and kind of reach them back to that culture. So not so much that it's a group that you owe obligation to, but one that you can appreciate is what I'd like to foster. Yeah, I think the things I've liked with the UK events often is is the guest instructors that come from different groups and, and your chance to sort of mix and meet students from all over and, and, and taking those lessons from just the different perspectives and different styles and things. And it's, it's one of the things I've enjoyed with this podcast as well is is reaching out to Capoeiristas that I don't know as well and just, just hearing their stories. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to learn from, from everyone, really. Yeah. And as we talk, I think it was 2018 that only the strongest got started what was it that led you to 
that's up with your party and your strongest podcast yeah you know it genuinely was just us a couple of my best friends and i um we all had kind of been in love with capoeira and been teaching it for a decade and all had moved away uh, the original three other male hosts and i those three all lived in the same place in colorado and i lived in utah and we'd go to each other's events a lot so we knew each other but then you know life leads people in different directions everybody moved away from each other so it was really just a way for us all to connect still as friends like hey we love talking about capoeira let's start a podcast it's a good excuse to talk to each other once a week and you know make funny joke like we just like to I mean, dick around. I don't know what kind of language is here, but like, that's what we started for. It was definitely never intended to be serious. And it was, you know, it was just really us sitting around and making jokes about all the things we've experienced in Capoeira, whether that's just like, you know, stinky feet and sweaty bodies or, you know, ridiculous trips to Brazil where we almost die and just, you know, things that we think that every layman Capoeira could, could relate to, you know, the everyday Capoeirista. So that's what got us started. One host having to leave the podcast, he studied, just completed a PhD, was really busy with his his doctorate work there. So the rest of us are still going strong. Yeah, it's, it's really good. I've, I'm, I'm 10 episodes away now, actually, from having heard all of them. I've got wow. how to watch a hodder's left because <laughs> I listen in my car. Yeah. So I can't. Can't follow along. Yeah, I wonder how that is for some people, you know, it, do they have to stop and you know watch the game for? But those ones are harder. You kind of need to watch it play by play. The majority of my time for the podcast is then, so I kind of skip forward. I was a hard watcher harder, but I do get around in minutes. I expect that the the Venn diagram of people that listen to this will also probably listen to yours. But if you haven't checked out any of the strongest, then I'd encourage you to do so, and it'll be linked in the the episode description. You. Mm-hmm. not just had the podcast you've had the sort of successful youtube and, and instagram channels as well um i think your youtube channel's 14 years old now which is also been going for quite some time how did you find managing and running that was it well received or did it take a while to to get started you know i i am a terrible example for it because i really did not keep up with any momentum i had gained years ago I stopped posting. I had made some tutorials and some samplers and just some clips of classes, you know, just kind of documenting, you know, life a little bit. It gained a ton of traction and I just am not tech savvy. I'm I'm really like an older millennial and this is really not my cup of tea to like keep up with this kind of stuff or take videos. A lot of times I love videos of my games, but I never get them because I just like to go and play. So I'm never thinking about like taking out the camera, taking out the, you know, so it just kind of rolled off. I did a few tutorials for fun and I had two others that I never finished, unfortunately, to put up. Instagram was kind of the same. Put up footage when I any from time to time or remember to take some. I haven't honestly done as much there as I should. Some schools post daily and get a lot of really good traction. And honestly, when they do that, I feel like they they take their place as the influential capoeiristas. You know, they're the videos that are going to come up because they're being seen the most. They're coming up the most. One that comes to mind right now is Mestre Moito Tempo here in the U.S., if you know about him. He's always posting videos. Some Most of the time they're jokes and they're hilarious, and that's probably why a lot of people follow them. That's why I do. But then he'll use that to push people to his bidding about classes or other things, you know, and that is the smart way to do that. 
I personally don't have the, I have two toddlers myself right now. So I just don't have the spare time that I used to for Capoeira when I started my channels, you know, in my twenties. So unfortunately I haven't been able to maintain, but it definitely helps for retention or joining the Capoeiristas. I don't know that it helps any kind of business advertise. It doesn't. I don't think I've ever had a new prospect come to Capoeira because they saw our YouTube or our Instagram. It's really for Capoeira clout, for more people to want you to come to their events, you know, for more people to know who you are and what you're capable of. So, you know, it's what you need out of it is what you're going to put in. And you talk there about having two toddlers. How have you found uh, juggling children and being a parent with being a Capoeira? <laughs> oh my gosh, nobody told me how hard parenting is. <laughs> <laughs> to this day I laugh at myself oh my gosh it's so hard I've got two little boys they're a year apart because I hated being pregnant so I thought that would be make it easier and I think it made it even harder on myself <laughs> so honestly being pregnant not being able to physically do like even a handstand anymore I got huge I gained a little over 50 pounds each pregnancy and I'm 5'3 so I was like 180 very big could not do much and I learned a lot, but I felt like I had no identity anymore. You know, I couldn't do something that was my passion. And that's half the reason after I'd had both kids and decided I was done having kids, we decided to open a studio half because we moved to a new place where they didn't have, you know, classes within an hour of us. And then half because I needed something that made me feel like me again and not a 24-7 mom and parent and exhausted, you know, something that I still love that reminded me of who I am and why I like to do those things. So that's, it was very selfish reason to start the studio is for me to feel like myself again and give me a little bit more of my identity back. But it's been hard and I've kept classes to two days a week and no more than that for that reason, just so I have a balance. So I have a weekend with my family and so I'm not getting babysitters every day of the week to go teach you know because they're just so small I didn't want to do that to my kiddos either so it is hard to balance both but it's imperative you know it's so important to do something for yourself when you become a parent so that you don't just lose your identity and just become a martyr you know the rest of your days which I think is a natural inclination for a lot of mothers um, the other benefit to having kids was just I gained so much weight and it was lopsided, so maybe it's not necessarily the best, but it taught me a lot about how to teach. You know, I was always pretty fit through my teens and 20s and 30s, and then I had kids when I was late 30s, and coming back from having to lose 50 pounds, and that took two and a half years to lose it all and build my muscle back, uh, just taught me a lot about what hurts for people that are overweight, what they can and can't do and why, you know, when they would say something and I was younger, I'd be like, oh, you're just not trying hard enough. I think that in my head, right? You know, idiot 24 year old that doesn't know what it means to be old and rickety. <laughs> so it was humbling and it taught me a lot about everybody's different bodies and then try and figure out ways to, to push through that or work through that, you know, to understand, wow, I'm so overweight that I get wrist pain from trying to do planks or handstands. I've never experienced that, you know, but it was because I was so overweight so that I had to figure out how to, you know, slowly work my mobility back to a pretty good space. Learned a lot there. Good experience. 
I've learned some, some similar things. I've had an issue with my hip for three years, which basically stopped me from, from any sort of, of training. So mm-hmm. I used to run marathons and capoeira all the time and so on. And then having had three years out, now being on the other side of 40, and then I got back into training and found um couldn't on one side touch the floor when doing an esquiva. And it's like, what? I've always, yeah. like, <laughs> flexibility gone. I've got it back now, but it's, you know, but you think, yeah the this is how it is for other people and it's having that sort of awareness i've always well i hope my students would would back me up on this try to give them sort of modifications that they could do if they found it challenging but then having had that experience for actually going through that yourself it is is a valuable thing to do um although i prefer not to have had the hip problem yeah yeah no it is very valuable to kind of understand you know physical limitation and struggle you know especially if you didn't have that previously to just kind of understand how you need to modify for your students how you need to you know maybe be more patient or empathetic you know to help them still enjoy capoeira in some form or fashion you know even if they're limited but obviously the sort of physical benefits of capoeira i know you've talked on the podcast about your own sort of personal journey and how capoeira kind of opened up the ways of seeing the world and being a bit more diverse and coming from a sort of conservative Mormon background, the personal journey you've had with that. Would you like to explain how sort of capoeira has helped you along from a more sort of personal side of things? Yeah, yeah. And I almost feel like this might be, you know, controversial, but that's who I am in life is just saying it like I think and being upfront and honest, because I'm not gonna be on this earth forever, right? So if my perspective helps, I might as well just tell it like I see it. I do think that Capoeira is the number one reason that I changed my personal leanings from conservative to liberal. I think I always had a little bit of a rebellious streak and was a little bit open-minded. Religion never sat that well with me, but I really tried to fit that box for a good 27 years of my life until I finally, you know, decided this is for the birds and not for me. And, you know, here's who I am and what I want to be. But without talking to people that were from different backgrounds, different places, had different ideas and ideals, I never would have made that. You know, I would have stayed with the conservative mindset and thought, oh, that's interesting and weird, but that's not right. Because that was, you know, that's how you're raised to think when you're a conservative Mormon. And I hope that's not offensive to conservative Mormons, but that was my experience. Um, And so I absolutely have Capwood to thank for teaching me to be open and understanding and like really learn empathy in a way that just was not part of my upbringing. My upbringing was being competitive and being the go-getter and, you know, rub some dirt on it, kid kind of an attitude. So it just really helped open me up and change. Yeah. My political ideals, how I want to raise my kids. And I can't stress enough. The reason I say that this is maybe controversial is because I've heard in circles Uh, at least here in the States or maybe some other places, a lot of people saying, hey, this is an Afro-Brazilian, really an African martial art, and only Black people should be training it, or we should pull, you know, we should resegregate it, or we should not be letting white people, you know, take this to kind of a, kind of an attitude. And for me, I have the opposite where, like, yes, it's self-serving for me to go, no, because I'm white and I want to do this. But at the same time, like, who would I be and who, you know, what kind of a world would we continue to perpetuate if I hadn't learned to meet people completely different from me and 
and learn to think like they do a little bit and mix that into my life experiences. And then I can go forward and do the same for other people that don't have that opportunity, you know, where I'm kind of in this, you know, conservative pocket of Colorado, ironically now. And, you know, if there's some way for me to slowly teach the same concepts of being open and respecting people that are different from us and appreciating different cultures and ideas, you know, isn't that what's best? And isn't that, for me, that's philosophically what Cup What It is about and for, you know, is to help people grow and love each other better and create communities that are about that friendship and support rather than any kind of oppression or any kind of in-group, out-group or you know, that's why I don't like the, hey, you're not in our group, you can't come. Hey, you're not wearing your all white uniform, you can't come. Hey, you know, I don't think that's helpful in the end. If we're trying to build better people and better communities, you know, how can we facilitate that? So yeah, I absolutely have Capwood to thank for it. And I think and hope that I've given that influence a little bit to my students over the years and will continue to. And talking about your students and learning Capoeira, you've been open now for over a year what plans have you got for the future are you just sort of pretty much taking it as it comes <laughs> yeah as a parent I'm taking it as it comes <laughs> I don't know we'd like to grow our studio more but I'm just super cautious it, it just creeps back into your life you know where I was just doing two days a week and now we go flipping one day on the weekends and maybe I go to the gym every couple you know and there's these events that you get invited to and it's easy to slip back into the cap what it is my life 24 7. I'm really trying to set boundaries around that and restraints of you know hey I might go to a couple events a year at most right now until my kids are older I just I just can't facilitate that I need to be with them uh, so we're trying to grow our studio a little bit more we just partnered we're doing a show with uh, the local samba group here in Colorado with my percussion background, I'm helping their music stuff. And so hopefully we do that more in the future and start teaching in elementary schools together with that group. We've done that a couple times so far this year. Um, so it's really just those little things. If and when I have more time, we did a podcast with Desconfiado, the host of Singing for Survival. And he's amazing. And we had talked on and off air about becoming a nonprofit, becoming safe sports certified, becoming something that you can go to schools easier here in the U.S. And if you're a nonprofit and, and kind of do this legwork, you can teach more often and then you can share with the community in an easier fashion. So that's kind of on my radar for the next year is looking more into that and how I can start to go out and start teaching at schools. You know, I think that's a great way to get kids a little bit exposed to something different like we've talked about something that they get excited about. Even if they're not coming to the studio, they're getting taught something, you know, different that hopefully will impact them and they'll remember it and want to come back to it. You know, like I did when I saw it in high school for a year or two later, I saw it again in college and tried it out. So um, that's really it. Keeping our, keeping our school going, growing as we can. But for the next couple of years, I'm still hesitant to do any more right now until my kiddos are in school themselves. So that's fair enough. The last question I like to ask is, what is capoeira? Dude, I don't know. <laughs> You're asking the wrong. <laughs> find an answer. If you can find out what it is and how to describe it, everybody can start capoeira. I think I'd listen to a, 
one of your first episodes, Contramesta Sania said something similar. She's like, I've never found somebody that can describe it well. We've said that on only the strongest, you know, like that's Capoeira's downfall right now is because it's a little bit of everything and it's impossible to describe. You know, most people have to experience it. And how do you convince them without describing it to experience it? I don't know. For me, it's it's a martial art. It's a sport. It's a culture. It's something that I love. You know, it's a pastime and it's a healthy pastime that ends up growing organic communities, I think, a little bit better than any other hobby I've done in my lifetime. You know, it it's it's a place that you make genuine friends for a lifetime. It's pretty amazing that it can do that. I don't know that many other martial arts or dance groups or anything can say the same. So it's pretty amazing what it is. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much for giving up your time as well to be on the podcast are there any closing thoughts or comments you'd like to leave our listeners with yeah thank you so much for having me this was super fun to talk to you we hope we make it over to the uk with and we'll come and visit you sometime um no we're just happy to be here and maybe we can do a collab on only the strongest coming forward soon and and push forward with our podcasts that would be great well thank you very much and thank you listeners for listening if you'd like to get in touch with me you can find me at the life capoeira at gmail.com we're on facebook and instagram and if you want to get in touch with us all there's the only the strongest and i'll be linking to everything in the episode description and i'd also like to invite you all to my birthday celebrations on the 28th of january these will be linked in the episode description as well we have a couple of workshop that's going to be done online with mestre primo the very first guest for the Life Capoeira and you can get tickets through that through the Eventbrite link in the description below. And if you are in the UK or can make it to the UK then we also have an event in Chichester so as well as Mestre Primo's lesson which we will project on the wall we will also have a session with Mestre Fantasma. We will have a hodder as well in which my two daughters will have their batizado and it would be lovely if you could make it. So until next time, thank you very much. Ciao. Ciao.